Hi, this is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Coming up, Subversity with Dan Zhang. The opinions expressed on the show are not necessarily those of the regents of University of California, nor the management of KUCI. Uh, with us on the show today is a film director uh, who has made a, a documentary about a small community of Vietnamese Americans uh, that were affected or devastated by uh, Hurricane Katrina, but swung back and, in fact, mobilized into a powerful force. Uh, welcome to the show, uh, S. Leo Chang. Thanks, Dan. Uh, you're the director of a village called uh, Versailles. And um, what made you want to do this film? Um, I found out about the Vietnamese-American community in New Orleans, actually, um, totally by accident. Um, I, uh, I was just having a conversation with an uh, academic friend of mine um, about another potential documentary that I was researching, and uh, she ha- happened to be doing some uh, research down in New Orleans after Katrina um, about the recovery of different communities of color, and uh, she just started to tell me about the Versailles community and about how, you know, the, uh, the neighborhood is basically a one big extended family and people were really close and they were coming back and rebuilding um, at a speed that was surprising to a lot of people and how just when they thought that they were trying to get their back um, life back close to normal, uh, the city decides to put this landfill right next to them without getting their permission or their input um, and how they were starting to fight against it. So um, the more she was describing it and then when she was mentioning um, Father Vien Nguyen, who is the pastor of the Mary Queen of Vietnam Church, um, I just thought that this sounds like a really compelling documentary and I wanted to explore the possibility of making a film out of the story. So I kind of, you know, asked her that if I could tag along with her on her next trip, and she, she huh. made the introduction. So she had the contacts, right, probably? Yeah, she, she, she did. She made introductions, and, um, you know, we, we first spoke to um, the priest at the church, and um, we kind of just went, went from there. You know, I kind of just started to come down and started to ask for permission to, you know, follow the community around, started to identify the key people that we want to interview. Did, um, when was how much after Katrina was was this? It was actually almost a whole year. Actually, it was after uh, past a year after Katrina. I didn't come down to New Orleans until um, most of the the landfill fight has already finished. So, did the um, did you actually were you able to get uh, a lot of footage, or you didn't use much footage from the actual uh, hurricane? Well, you know, what what we did was that, um, you know, we, we got the really compelling interviews from all the different people, but we had to set out to find all the visuals to tell the story because we weren't there. I mean, I wasn't there during, um, right after the Katrina time, so I didn't shoot any of that stuff. Um, you know, uh, right. we knew that there were certain specific scenes that we were looking for that people had described, so we went out to uh, the neighborhood, to the community, and asked to see if anybody had home video. I mean, we went to everywhere. We went to the, the utility companies. We went to, um, you know, the public access television in New Orleans. We went to all the different filmmakers in New Orleans who, you know, were all shooting something during that first year after Katrina. And, you know, we went to the large uh, networks, uh, CNN, NBC, ABC, um, to try and find... Um, the flooding footage. 
you know, that, that was actually probably one of the biggest challenges that we had was to be able to locate all those footage. Is that archived anywhere? <laughs> or did, did, uh, there's no central location, I suppose, huh? No. You know, see, that, that, that's the thing, right? Because of the flooding, a lot of the archives in New Orleans was actually flooded. You know, oh. a part of our footage, um, in, in our film we had these images of the, uh, the then Vietnamese refugees uh, who were fishermen, um, you know, um, going out fishing, and then there was this interview by one of the parish council presidents um, talking about, you know, how they didn't want, they didn't want the Vietnamese to come and dock at their, their, uh, their docks. And all that stuff were in boxes, I, I think, in the basement of, of, of um, University of New Orleans. And some of the stuff just hasn't seen the, the light of day for years. And, you know, they had the index. I mean, the, the, the database that tells you what's in these boxes were, are, are, were on these index cards. Oh, wow. And you, yeah. And, you know, there was no, I mean, it wasn't like computerized. Literally, you know, the, the archivist went through the paper and looked through it. And even when we found the clips that we thought we won, they would go to the box and open it. It wasn't there. Somebody had taken it out and never put it back in. I mean, you know, I don't know how many years ago. Huh. So, you know, I mean, in many ways, we, we, we became the archive. You know, we have a lot of images that was probably really difficult to find elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Did you have to pay for a lot of the footage? Oh, yeah. <laughs> huh. do, we ha- do we ever? Um, we were lucky because towards the, the middle of post-production, I mean, at the beginning, you know, this is an independent documentary film. We, you know, I, I, you know, this was not my first film. So, um, you know, I, I had uh, made several films before I went to film school. So, you know, I have experience making films. But still, at the beginning, we did not have a lot of funding. We got, you know, I got one grant um, that really barely covered the expenses for the first year and a half. Um, but when we started to put the, the film together, when we had a cut, we went to um, ITVS and CAMP, which are two organizations that give out money from Corporation for Public Broadcasting, hmm. uh, and CAMP, Center for Asian American Media, you know, it's a great organization in San Francisco. That's a, a national organization that funds independent filmmakers who are making films on Asian American subject matters. So we got money from these organizations as well as from the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities and a couple other uh, foundations that we were able to use that funding. Um, a lot of it went to purchasing uh, licenses for, for archival footage. That's great. I know you, your film just aired at, uh, or just screened at the Asian Pacific Film Festival in L.A., um, and, and we won the audience award. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, you're right. I was there when they announced the awards uh, in Little Tokyo, and um, May fourth you screened it. Uh, and so um, this is going to go national uh, uh, tomorrow, actually on Tuesday. Uh, PBS uh, Independent Lens series is going to air. It's going to screen it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. was that hard? Uh, since they funded it, I guess that was a uh, natural, huh? Well, you know, you would think that, but the the so independent lens, you know, is, is one of the major independent film documentary series on PBS and um, ITVS, which is one of I mean, my main funder. Yeah. Um, also, is the programmer. You know, this is one of their series, but they fund way more projects than than the films that get programmed. Really? You know? Wow! So I'm surprised at that. Wow. Huh. Yeah, there's absolutely no guarantee that you know. Um, 
once the film gets funded by them that they were going to pick it up in a series. Um, it usually ends up somewhere on PBS. A lot of times uh, it kind of goes out as a, as a standalone um, uh, one-hour documentary uh. um, that doesn't get aired at the same time. You know, so that's a little bit more difficult in, uh, in terms of letting people know about the screenings because they, you know, each, each individual station can pretty much program, um, you know, whenever they like to. Oh, I see. So, right, right. It's a local control, I guess, huh? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I just interviewed uh, directors uh, last week of uh, a locally made um, film about the Braceros uh, program, uh-huh. and a professor, two professors actually made it, and. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think they're also looking for <laughs> an outlet. And at the uh, Q&A, they said they were approaching New Day for uh, distribution, I guess. New oh, Day. they are. <laughs> and, and you are New Day, right? I, I, am, I am a New Day member. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if, how much you know about New Day films. It's, right, they're really a great organization. Right. I get a lot of their I'm a li- uh, librarian. I'm a bibliographer at UC ah. Libraries. <laughs> so we acquire, of course, a lot of... Uh, Films, documentaries, and other stuff. Uh, I, hope, so, I hope we don't pester you too much with those emails. Uh-huh. But I think uh, so. That film is called uh, "Harvest of of Loneliness." It's an indictment of the Bracero program that um, that was supposed to give people jobs and have them send money back to Mexico. But uh-huh. after they cut, you know, they took out all the 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 food money and the housing money. They deducted from their pay. They ended up with one cent in a paycheck sometimes. And so it's just a horrible thing. So anyway, they just opened world premiere at UCI last week. <laughs> and uh-huh. uh, they're going to show it at the Roxy. So th- anyway, so th- um, we, this show we tried to um, feature independent films. And uh, that film was a historical look. Uh, yours is a contemporary look, right, uh, of uh, things almost in action at the same time. Is, do you see that as very different from other documentaries that you have made or... Or have you always well, made? Uh, yeah, what's what's? Is I, there any I, difference? Yeah. I I tend I I I tend to just gravitate towards whatever that seems interesting to me. I mean, yeah. my the, the first you know I, I made a bunch of short little films. I went to U, USC film school, so I made short documentaries there. But the first sort of a uh, 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 you know actually uh, um, you know what what I would consider a, a floor of official piece of my work is, is a half hour about couples who uh, have mixed HIV status. Right. So that's very different from yeah. this. And my last film, which was also on PBS, um, uh, was, was called To You, Sweetheart Aloha, and it was actually about a 94-year-old uh, ukulele musician from Hawaii who was actually based in Orange County. He, he lives in, um, uh, uh, near um, uh, Fountain Valley, is that right? Right, yeah. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah, Bill Tapia, uh, who's actually a very well-known musician, um, locally and that has nothing to do with this film right um, I mean I, you know for me it's all always about um, the human story and what really drew me to a village called Versailles was just this incredibly moving story of the community and what the community had already gone through and what they were faced again and that they were able to still overcome all the obstacles that were thrown in their way and and you know persevere and you know I just I found I just found the story incredibly moving. I, I just felt really compelled that the story needs to get out there, you know. So, and my next film is probably going to be. Well, actually, I'm already making my next film um, 
uh, camps, integration American media, oh. commissioning me to uh, do a project about uh, Representative Ong Joseph Gao, you know, the, the Vietnamese American. Oh, right. From Versailles. From, exactly, from Versailles. So I'm actually in New Orleans right now calling you oh, because I just, we just, uh, I just spent a day shooting um, a, uh, a BP oil spill claims fair that, that um, Congressman Gao had sponsored. Um, so, you know, it, it, it seems like these few years um, New Orleans is kind of my second home and I'm, I'm here all the time and uh, I don't know where I'm going to be next. You know, it could be Nepal. I'm looking into <laughs> a project there. Um, I just saw you know, a doc. Actually, I just saw a documentary at the Newport Beach Film Festival of on uh, the Maoists in Nepal. Oh, really? What yeah, is- a Harvard uh, Harvard graduate uh, did uh-huh. it. A woman uh, graduate, and uh, she made this documentary about this woman who was in the rebel force and now is a member of parliament. Uh huh. Yeah. So wow. it was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it was. Well, quite- there we go. Fascinating. Yeah, so the, these are kind of hidden stories. I don't think most people, I mean, I had heard about the Vietnamese community uh, struggling during, um, you know, after Katrina, but I, I don't think I, I don't think I heard much about the, uh, the fight over the landfill. I don't think, right. yeah, I heard that. Uh, do you think it was, I know the, 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 the Catholic priest uh, in your film, he uh, did mention that the Vietnamese were very quiet, uh, or were considered quiet. And non-complaining is that really true? Before, I think that it's they were quiet in the sense that the community kept to themselves and kept within the community. I mean, folks were organized within the community. You know, there was a, a, a structure. You know, they, they, there's a, there's a lot of activities around the church, which is you know the majority of this particular community is Catholic, and um, but there wasn't a whole lot of inter- interaction with the outside world. Um, I believe the the location where uh, the chef mentor landfill, the landfill that's in the film, um, you know, that they fought against, uh, that particular location that back in the 90s, somebody actually tried to open the landfill there but wasn't successful because the community had made some noise. But it wasn't like this. You know, it wasn't, um, you know, busloads of, of elders going to City Hall, going to, you know, block the entrance of the landfill. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's a very it's a very different look, and I think it, it surprised a lot of people, you know, um, locally, because folks, I, because the, the the community is physically so isolated. It's literally, I mean, you drive out way east. It's probably one of the last developments uh, before you literally are in the water, and wow. then a little bit further over across the bridge is Mississippi. So. If people aren't going out there specifically looking for this community, they won't find it. You know, it's also tucked away from the main road. I think I, I, I yeah, I remember going to a Vietnamese restaurant in New Orleans that was across the river, and uh-huh. that seemed kind of middle of nowhere. All of a sudden, there's a Vietnamese restaurant, and I was pretty impressed. One time, I was in New Orleans for a conference uh-huh. and, uh, a few years ago, and uh, maybe ten years ago, and or more, and so I I knew uh, there were Vietnamese there. Uh, how many total were were the Vietnamese uh, community? Was the Vietnamese community how, what large, how large was it at the time? So, so um, there's actually the, the the one in New Orleans East, the one in Versailles is the largest one, and the one that you went to, the restaurant that you went to on the west, um, uh, the other side of the river, which is called West Bank. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Is, there are actually several smaller Vietnamese community over there. Uh. So there are two 
sort of two different communities that, that know each other but are basically separate because they, they, I think they all center around their uh, specific churches and, and Buddhist temples. So the, the one in Versailles, um, the number that's been told to me, um, you know, over and over again is somewhere between 5,000 and 7,000 prior to Katrina. And 90%, is it true, 90% of the community came back after Katrina? Yeah. Well, that, that, that's, what, that, that's what the community member has, have, have uh, told me. You know, I, I'm sure that there's no, no, no way to prove exactly how many, but if you just kind of drive through the community, walk through, check things out, you'll see that there are very few um, houses that are not inhabited, you know, not, not has, has, that hasn't been fixed up. I mean, if you just go west, or south from there into other communities, surrounding community in New Orleans East, it's a very different story. You still find a lot of empty houses. You still find those big painted red marks that you that become so familiar to people uh, from uh, the police, you know, checking houses after the flooding. A lot of those houses are still empty, you know, but, but walk through uh, Versailles, walk through Villageless, the, the, the development, and people are back. You know, you go to, go to church and it's packed. And, you know, on Sunday they have two, three masses, four masses. I didn't even know how many masses. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I was impressed and, that the people did uh, identify with the land there, that, you know, they had been, they knew they weren't going to go back to Vietnam, uh, most of them. And so it, they did identify with that piece of uh, land in, in that part of New Orleans. I, I, would, I think yeah. that... Maybe before Katrina, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm an immigrant, but I'm not a refugee, and I don't, I, I would not ever, you know, pretend to even remotely understand the trauma that is the refugee experience. But, you know, when, when you first come over, you know, the first few years, you, 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 you know, as an immigrant, as a refugee, you, you just don't feel like this is home. You, know, you feel like you're a guest. You feel like at some point maybe you'll go home, you know. And I think that for a lot of the folks, a lot of first-generation folks, maybe for a long time, they felt that. They felt that home is Vietnam and here is a place that they are forced to come to. You know? Right, right. But I think Katrina, you know, as a catalyst, really switched people's perspective about the idea of home, you know, the connection to the land, that, that I think it made them realize that this is home. You know, this is what they have. This is this is what they have been working so hard to build up, and 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 that's why they have to keep fighting for it. And that's why they they were able to you know um, unite and 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 did what they did. I was impressed by one of the elderly uh, people in your film who said that he was worried that if the toxic dump was uh, was allowed to uh, stay there, uh, none of his children would come back to live there. And so that, you know, to me, uh, I'm not sure p- the young people would stay there eventually, but, uh, or do you think they will? I mean, from your talking to them, do you see that they identify with uh, Louisiana? Will they stay there or go to other places? You know, I, 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 am, I actually am not totally sure, but I can say probably there's a, more, a higher likelihood that the young people may stay now compared to before Katrina. Really, you know, there, there, there was a, a lot of brain drain going on before Katrina. That, you know, the, the community itself 
um, there weren't a whole lot of jobs out there. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of the, the young people, they would go away from school and stay away, or they would graduate from one of the universities, you know, or high schools in, in New Orleans and move to Houston. You know, a lot of the, a lot of young people right. go to Houston. Yeah. Because that's the, right, that's the largest Vietnamese, um, community in the South and what third largest in the country. Um, so, but now because of all these different development projects that uh, the, the neighborhood has been pursuing, you know, that includes um, uh, eventually, hopefully, an urban farm. Um, there's a lot of push behind, you know, business development, but even just the basic infrastructure things like um, a charter school and, 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 you know, medical clinics and, and also, um, you know, the, the Mary Queen of Vietnam Community Development Corporation, MQVN CDC, which is a, a nonprofit that was established after Katrina um, to take the lead on all the, the, the development project that had came up with during the Versailles' own master planning process, you know. So they're in charge of executing some of those plans, and a lot of folks who work there are young, you know, young leaders from the community who probably would have otherwise gone elsewhere, but now they feel like they're, they're you know, at a place where they can make a difference, that they're taking leadership roles, that the community, you know, really value their input and, and, and their contribution. So I think a lot of that probably, you know, wouldn't have happened the same way prior to Katrina. How did the, in your film, you document this uh, mobilization by young people, actually, of uh, against this uh, dump site, how did that uh, start off? How did that happen? I, I think that because of the storm, you know, prior to the storm, the this particular uh, Vietnamese-American community, you know, is not like any other immigrant or refugee community in the way that it is so insulated. You know, that, that literally you go there and it's a one mile by one mile square area approximately and it's just, the, you know, it, the... the According to many in the community, it's the densest Vietnamese population outside of Vietnam. You know, so for the for the for the first generation folks, they never needed to you know rely on the young people's language skills, English language skills, as many other immigrants in other immigrant communities have to. So then they, you know, I think for a long time there isn't a value placed upon the younger generation. There wasn't, you know, the young young people felt disenfranchised, frankly. You know, they felt like they weren't needed. They felt like they were treated like children, even though they're, you know, in their late teens and early 20s. They felt like they weren't, you know, their input wasn't value. But because of Katrina, because of the community, were uh, forced to disperse and they were displaced. And when they were displaced, a lot of these elders needed the, the help of the young people. And during that process, they recognized that, the, the, you know, their, their their sons and grandsons are actually, you know, they're very skilled and they understand the culture and they're essential, you know. And the other way around, you know, the, the I think, you know, some of this is in the film, but, you know, there's definitely a lot more behind it, is that the young people, you know, look at the, the elders and maybe for a long time they just thought, hey, you know, they, they have no idea. Like, they, they, they're here, they just stay to themselves, they don't know what it's like out there, even just. Ten miles down the road, you know, they are totally in that, you know, incapable of, of adjusting to a life in the real America. You know, they just live in this little closed-off area. Um, but when Katrina happened, you know, they see that these old people—they're ass kickers. You know, they—they they don't need water. You know, they don't need electricity. They said they're going to come back. They come back. They come back. They rebuild the house. 
they don't need outside help. They don't. They don't. They're not whining and complaining about it. You know, and and I think the youth really have this brand new respect for the older generation. Recognize that, you know, they have a lot of a lot of skills and a lot of experiences that that the young people probably didn't realize that they had. So um, I think just go from there. The mutual respect grew a little bit, and because of the landfill, they found something in common to fight uh, together against. I, I um, was also impressed that the the committee actually worked with uh, black uh, activists, uh, including a, a city councilwoman, right, who uh, stood out. Uh, the city council actually opposed the mayor on this issue, and. Um, before the Katrina, do you think there was much relationship between uh, Vietnamese and uh, the black community? Well, I, I, you know, as far as I, I can tell by talking to the community members, you know, it, they, they weren't really, you know, I think that the, they, they were, they were relating to each other. Maybe they, they talked to each other at work for the elders and the, the kids, you know, hang out with each other at school. But outside of those areas, I think that folks just kind of went back to their own enclave or their own community. And in Versailles, there are actually a number of African-American families there, you know. Um, so, I mean, you hear stories about how, you know, some folks may, may not necessarily have gotten along, which is expected, right, as it is in a lot of the, sure. the um, immigrant um, neighborhoods, because the immigrant neighbor, immigrants tend to be, you know, um, res- uh, the refugees especially tend to be resettled in um, traditionally, you know, uh, not as wealthy neighborhoods of color. So there's always this perception of, you know, competition for resources, there's xenophobia from both sides. So um, so I think that the, the relationship was sort of a mixed bag, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that, 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 um, Post Katrina, um, you know, even, although prior to Katrina there were already you know relationships between community leaders, for instance, between the Vietnamese and the non-Vietnamese community. Post Katrina, that coalition building really became much, much more important. You know, a higher priority on all sides because folks realize that they have to unite. You know, to to stand up, to get noticed, to have their voices heard about. You know, wanting to come back, wanting to rebuild, wanting the resources to come to their community. You know, that they are the capital P, right? It's not just the Vietnamese Americans, not just the African American. It's the whole area that's devastated. Yeah. You know, the, so, yeah. In your film, one time. When, uh, you showed the protests uh, that the young people organized, right, to get uh, elderly and other people to come, and then uh, the mayor agreed to uh, temporarily stop the landfill while they decided what to do about testing for to- for the toxic chemicals. But did they actually ever test the chemicals? <laughs> well, Father Vian tells this funny story um, that the city test the chemicals by going upwind from the landfill and test the air and the community test the the landfill by going into the water that's in the landfill and test that. So of course the, the city results that there's nothing toxic and the community results that it's totally toxic. So I think that was one of the reasons why they couldn't agree that first time around. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and, yeah. and <laughs> it, it's you know, I, I don't know what was the final resolution of it. I, I think that that you know, because of the other factors, you know, that the community ended up taking a um, legal 
uh, legal route to prove that that the mayor did not really have the power to do what he did. That's how it, you know, the, the landfill was finally defeated. But I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I just can't imagine that it not being toxic when you soak a bunch of, you know, male sinners and, and, you know, pesticides in water. And literally, if you go now there today, you the, the landfill side, quote-unquote, is a big pool of water. Where, where, did know, they, and, where did they dump the stuff then, eventually? There were two other uh, landfills that had capacity. Uh, and I think that the, 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 all the garbage went into those. And it would, you know, those two landfills were, were, were going to take a lot of the debris anyway. Um, this third landfill was going to be open um, to expedite the cleanup. I see, I see. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with uh, S. Leo Chang, who's the director of a film that's going to be airing on PBS, um, a village called Versailles. And it's about the mobilization after Katrina of a community, of a Vietnamese-American community uh, that mobilized to fight a toxic dump site uh, that was being uh, created uh, in their, at the edge of their community. Um, do you, did you find any ideological uh, issues, you know, I mean, in terms of, uh, like, I mean, I live in Orange County, so the, the most of the demonstration seems to be about Vietnam. Uh, about ideological issues that we see here. And, uh, I mean, that's just, I guess, a stereotype. But the farther away from Orange County, uh, the less strong it seems to be that sentiment, maybe. Uh, did you get any uh, feeling that this anti-communism brand of protest was not really uh, happening over there? But, I, you know, the... I remember one of the first times, my, one of my first trips into the community, I was just chatting with uh, somebody who was maybe in his 50s. Um, you know, he, he, he said, oh, you're, you're Chinese. Are you from Taiwan or are you from China? And I said, I'm from Taiwan. And he said, oh, good, because if you're from China, you'll be a communist and we wouldn't like you. <laughs> I mean, Sorry. I... I, I had didn't see I didn't see any you know protest the, the 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 way that I've you know definitely read about and seen and heard about in Orange County, but I'm not sure that doesn't mean that the community isn't really strongly against communism, and I think a lot of that um, you can kind of you know sort of feel a little bit of it. What well, first of all, if you if you go to the, the New Year celebration, the, the Lunar New Year celebration, the, the Dead Festivals, it always starts with a march, a military march of the uh, South Vietnamese, um, you know, folks from the community, you know, who used to be in the military in right. Vietnam, wearing their uniforms and marching with the, the yellow and and red South Vietnamese flag. Right. So, right. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't know if, if something really triggered that 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 there wouldn't be a protest. Would they, <laughs> but I uh, didn't see any. Yeah. The, but your your current project with the uh, congress congressman, uh, did he ever get branded as pro communist or not on anything? Um, I no, I haven't heard that. And and he took a trip. I don't know if you you remember reading about this. He took a trip uh, last year or is it early this year? Early this year, perhaps. Early, um, yeah. yeah, with with, with Congressman Mike Honda of San Jose and also um, uh, Representative. Oh gosh, I, I I can never pronounce his name. Um, the uh, uh, from uh, from I think I believe he's from Guam. Um, 
Oh yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So so um, who who is actually I think the vice chair for the Congressional APA Caucus? Um, they they took the trip to Southeast Asia, and that was Joseph Gao's first trip um, as an official. And actually, there was a first right first elect Vietnamese um, elected official from U.S. who went there, and it was you know it was sort of a, a big deal, right? But 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 Congressman Gao still, you know, was very quick to condemn anything that he saw was um, uh, wrong, uh, you know, that was been done wrong by the, the Vietnamese government. So I don't believe there was any, you know, sort of feelings or, or you know, quote-unquote accusations of, uh, of him being, you know, close to the communist government. I think Loretta Sanchez has gone there, although lately she's not been allowed back in. So there have been other uh, representatives uh, who uh, who represent you know Vietnamese communities, I guess. Uh, I'm curious about the race that's going on in, in Orange County between you know Laura Sanchez and and you know the potential Republican uh, candidate. You know, probably likely to be one of the Vietnamese candidates, right? Vietnamese American candidates. Is it Van Tran? Or is, is he running? Uh, I think. Yeah. I think. I, I think there's actually another another Vietnamese American running as well. I can't remember the other person's name. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, I haven't been following it that well, but uh, I mean, she she has the uh, the I guess the the benefit of of uh, tenure, but then I suppose this is a this year is not uh, incumbents are facing a hard time. I think. And right. She hasn't been coming out in support of the Dream Act. She would refuse to co-sign it. Uh, the Dream Act, of course, is the the act to uh, legalize uh, undocumented students here, uh, uh-huh. and so she's refused to uh, sign it. Or, I mean, to uh, co-sponsor it, even though she claims she will sign it if, uh, if or she will vote for it if if it's uh, you know come up for a vote. So we'll see. <laughs> so, but she was she's been blocked from Vietnam uh, several last few times, I believe. Uh, the government doesn't want her there, and so the uh, Vietnam government. Yeah, the, is there any investment from Vietnam in in New Orleans that you know of? Not, not that I know of. That that's an area that I really didn't explore. Yeah, and uh, this uh, this new film. Uh, I know that Cow uh, is more uh, uh, independent, I suppose, huh? He voted. Didn't he vote for the stimulus package? Uh, I remember. He actually voted against the stimulus package. Um, but he the, voted for, for something else before. He, he, he voted for the first health care reform. Oh, right. That was vote. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the House bill. The House bill. Right. Uh, with the Stupak Amendment. And he voted against the, the Senate bill the second time around. Are there any repercussions now for what he did earlier? Um. You know, I, I, I can only tell you what I read in the papers, and in the papers what they're saying is that, you know, a, a lot of his Republican uh, supporters in terms of financially, um, you know, had not really been supporting him oh. um, because of the first vote. Um, the it's you know I, I think he just is, is sort of in a very interesting situation right because he's basically a centrist you know and, yes, yeah. and even though he, he's in the Republican Party he's representing a Democratic uh, district and you know this whole issue of representation come up you know what do you do do you do something that is 
you know, uh, good for your constituents, or do you do something that is fitting of, you know, that that does not go against your personal moral principle? And I think that he, he you know, that's something that he really sort of contemplates every time, and 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 he's sort of dealing with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's clear. I mean, he won against the Democrat, right, when he ran for this office. Yeah, and, and so uh, so that was a surprise, I guess. Some people thought. Uh, in this democratic district, yeah. Uh, did, did, the, yeah, go ahead. No, the, the, the Democrat was um, um, William Jefferson, um, which is you know who is infamous right, he, for. He was in trouble. The, well, uh-huh. he he was found with ninety thousand right. dollar cash in his freezer. <laughs> and, uh, so, um, you know, I, I think that 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 you know the the the, the circumstances was perfect. You know, yeah, in many yeah, ways, for yeah. uh, for Congressman Gao to be elected at that time. Did he uh, have to uh, in that campaign? Did he get money from the Vietnamese diaspora? Support, you know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not totally certain. I think that at that time, and and you know, I I, I don't know for sure. I'm I, I'm just telling you what I do know was that at that time, not a whole lot of people gave him a chance. You know, that that's both. You know. Um, within and outside of the the, 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 the Vietnamese diaspora, you know. Um, so I'm not sure what that what that meant in terms of if, if he got you know support, um, financial support from from the Vietnamese American folks all over. Um, but I think that this this race is going to be very different. I, I think that that um, his election really is a, is a source of pride. For a lot of Vietnamese Americans, I mean, I, you know, obviously not all Vietnamese Americans agree with, with, um, you know, Congressman Gao's politics, but I think um, that what he represents is something pretty amazing for for the Vietnamese um, diaspora, and 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 you know what what he has done so far, um, really, you know, I, I I I I've been hearing that a lot of folks are really getting behind him. I know he's come out uh, uh, to Orange County quite a bit, it seems, and the papers are full of interviews with him recently. And uh, I think he may have even marched at the TED parade. Oh, no, no, I didn't see him, but uh, I happened to be there. But uh, but he's definitely been there since uh, TED and to, out here to the West Coast. And so the community is, is uh, covering him definitely out here. Yeah. He he is definitely generally out there, you know. I mean, not 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 in a bad sense, but you know, unlike some career politicians who basically hide out in D.C., right? Yeah, uh, yeah they yeah, they feel true. like they've established themselves. They don't really need to, you know, hit the pavement. Um, what what you know, in in my experience so far, you know, following him in the last few months, that he is really out there. You know, he's he's in the district. He's you know, go showing up at events. He's organizing things. You know, he is. Making his presence known as best as he can, and and trying to do you know what what he thinks is the best for his constituents. So I see that in, you know in your film, uh, some of the uh, residents were speaking in Vietnamese. Uh, did you have uh, trouble translating? Or, <laughs> yeah, um, I yeah I, I do not I do not speak Vietnamese at all, and but I also recognize the fact that that. That the first generation voice was essential in this film, and I really was just relying on the help of a lot of um, 
young, younger folks in the community. Um, a lot of folks, you know, a lot of the, the young activists from elsewhere um, that had come down to New Orleans to uh, help the rebuilding effort at that time. A lot of folks in the, the community, uh, community development corporations that I mentioned earlier. All right. Um, yeah, they they really they really helped out. You know, actually, um, you know, one of the one of the, the the activists that helped me out the most was uh, is actually Orange County native, uh, Mike Dang, um, who, oh. uh, yeah, who had graduated from uh, uh, George Washington University in D.C. and had had came down to um, to New Orleans, um, and she stayed here for three years before uh, leaving to go to the urban planning. Um, graduate school at MIT. So oh. she headed um, that development corporation. She uh, she wasn't the head of it, no, but she worked there. I see. I see. Yeah, yeah, she worked there for 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 three years, and she did she she did organizing work. Um, the the head for for about three years or so was uh, Mary Tran, who was in in the film briefly, oh, and yeah, she's yeah. a local girl. She she yeah. was born and raised in New Orleans, and, and she really really does love that community and she talked about never wanting to leave and always wanting to support the community so uh, yeah I was she, just yeah go ahead uh, no, I'm just, yeah. I was just going to say that she, she actually left the post and oh. um, now another woman um, uh, Jam when from the community is now the head of CDC I'm interested in the fact that you portrayed the, the proposal for a new um, new Vietnamese community there uh, they had plans they had uh, you know plans on having a community center, a senior citizen center, even a, a fishing uh, zone, I guess, a farm, right? A farm. Uh, a farm, urban uh, farm. Urban farm. And um, how long did that, were you there when you filmed that? Oh, I mean, were you filming it or was was it archival footage? The, the even the actual the plans? Actual plans, or? yeah, the, as they were developing it. Well, the, the, the development process is still going on, so I actually oh. did some of that, um, you know, as, as I was coming and going, at, at first they were just all on paper, and and I, I you know, I knew that they were trying to, uh, you know, for instance, there's a big piece of land that's owned by the church across from the church itself that the church had leased to FEMA for FEMA to put down 199 uh, FEMA trailers there yeah. um, for you know other for for. for folks in the neighborhood to, you know, to live there, but it was technically the church's property, and the church did that knowing that um, FEMA was going to put in, like, sewage and water and power, you know, infrastructure that eventually the church was going to use for um, the retirement home, you know, so things were happening. Um, I, I also know that, uh, you know, the, the, the Community Development Corporation had worked really hard to push the, the, um, the urban farm project forward, but unfortunately, the piece of land that they had designated to be the urban farm is designated by the Army Corps of Engineers as wetlands, oh. you know, so they're, run, they're getting, you know, they're running uh, into a lot of bureaucratic uh, resistance in that, but of course the irony is two miles down the road in a similar piece of land, uh, somebody, you know, people can go there and dump garbage. Um, but you know, here they can't farm. So, oh, yeah. um, 
So, so you know, that piece is being moved forward for sure. And, and I, you know, another thing that I already saw that was different was the, the community had gotten a grant to really update the business district, which was, you know, getting a little bit older and maybe, you know, needed a little bit of repair. So a lot of business owners were able to apply and got money from the CDC to fix up their facade and, and you know, making the business district look nicer and newer. So you probably wouldn't really recognize it if you see it again. Ah, wow. I was at a community meeting once uh, in Little Saigon here in Orange County where the people there, they were mostly young people, were asked to design a future Little Saigon. And uh, it was a bit interesting because they, some of the, one of the comments was that they didn't want to look, ha- have it look like uh, Chinatown. There was some <laughs> resistance to Chinese and... Uh, I actually wrote about it in the OC Weekly, so I can send you that article. But uh, uh, was there any, uh, what was the ethnic breakdown within the Vietnamese community there? I don't know. I really didn't dig in that far. Um, I mean, I, this is a total assumption from my part, I mean, you know. But I just imagine because a lot of the roots of the community comes from the north, perhaps they're ethnic Chinese. Um, you know, in the, in the Vietnamese community, like sort of quite a few, but there are also there are also a lot of uh, well, maybe not a lot, but but enough um, a, a, a number of uh, Cambodian and 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 Laotian families oh, in the community. Yeah. So it's actually really a, a pan Southeast Asian community, but majority of which is Vietnamese American. Yeah, it was strange because some of the comments were they didn't want old people. So it was. I mean, it was totally different from what I expected. But or, or they would they would propose a senior center, but they didn't really want it to look like. Uh, I guess the image of Chinatown is not very good. I suppose that it's, it's not as, at least maybe in L.A. I don't know uh, that uh, you know people don't go there and uh, whatever. I mean, people outside don't like to go there. Maybe uh, so. That, at least that's a stereotype. And uh, but um, I think it was great that. Uh, that New Orleans got this chance, uh, the community there got a chance to actually develop a, a new vision, I suppose, that would um, serve the community. And, and I, I hope that a lot of these projects keeps pushing forward. I, I feel like the community, the community has really achieved a lot, and, and some of them are very, tangi- uh, and very tangible. You can see it. But you know, the, the, there's still a lot of work to do ahead, and especially now with the oil spill. Um, I, I don't know if folks realize that something like a third to a half of the fishermen along the Gulf Coast, you know, that's from uh, Texas, you know, to Louisiana, to Alabama, to, um, I'm sorry, to Mississippi, to Alabama, to Florida, a third to a half of the fishermen are, are um, you know, Southeast Asian, and, and the large majority of that is Vietnamese American. And a lot of the fishermen live in Versailles. So that's a new, you know, a, a new challenge that the Vietnamese American community is facing um, here in New Orleans and in all along the Gulf Coast. You know, and I mean, who knows what 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 the impact of, of this oil spill will be in the long run for the fishing industry? You know, it, I mean, it may very well kill it. Who knows? Because it was already struggling um, yeah. before before Katrina and with Katrina and now with this oil spill. So it's another challenge, and it's a lot more work for for the community to 
to deal with. But you know, and but with this community, they they try to pull together and, and deal with it, and, yeah. and, and try to overcome the obstacles. I think I noticed that in even the pictures that the New York Times uh, had of fishermen, uh, they identified some of them and had Southeast Asian names, and so uh, there was some hint there. I think if you didn't know anything. <laughs> the, that the fishermen were, you know, were Southeast Asian, uh, but I I didn't realize it was up to half. Yeah, it's it, it's actually a really significant percentage, really significant. Wow! And so, uh, so you were saying you started off by saying that the Congressman Cow was uh, actually helping them make claims against British Petroleum or BP. I th- I think that one of the big um, issues of the the Vietnamese uh, folks had down here after Katrina was the language access issue. That there was not enough Vietnamese translators. Um, you know, that they they were having a hard time applying for the the specific grants and and loans and and whatnot because you know there was nobody there to translate for them. And what Congressman Cao has been really pushing has been just really. Making sure that you know, one one of the things that, that that BP is doing is they're actually hiring a lot of the fishermen to uh, use their boat for the cleanup, and they have to train the fishermen um, wow. in the, you know hazmat training, right? Train them sure. how to deal with the uh, slick and all that. And at first, they just really didn't have any Vietnamese translator. You know, it's the same problem that that was there um, five years ago during Katrina time. So Congressman Gao's office and and you know, the folks at CDC have been just really pushing for, for language access. And, and now, of course, you know, it helps that, that the, the congressman, the U.S. congressman for the majority of the city of New Orleans is a Vietnamese American. So when he says something, BP is going to listen, you know, more likely to listen than they were before, right? So yeah, it, yeah. It, in many ways, you know, that's how he's, um, you know, helping out with with the Vietnamese um, American community here, and and he really, you know, just from what I, you know, learn is really doing a lot in his office and his staff, and and working with the the Versailles folks, and you know, um, sort of getting things together and really kind of helping out the the fishermen. So it is a life and death issue in a way for the industry, right? For the fishing industry, it, it seems that way, and it's definitely for a lot of people. It's their livelihood. Yeah, yeah. You know, that 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 this this could be a whole year income down the drain, and and you know that's it's a whole year income down the drain. You know, it's like like farmer who farmers who have all their crops burned down or, or frozen over or something. It's sort of the equivalent of like, except that this will have you know a known long term repercussions. What what is the community reaction to your film? Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that. The community really don't see what they've done as something all that special. Really, wow. right? I, I think for them and and for a lot of folks in New Orleans, you know, all you know, Vietnamese or non-Vietnamese, they they did what they had to do. You know, they they were they were fighting for 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 what they believe in. You know, they're fighting for for what what they think is theirs. And and they just you know they just got together and they they, they got it done. I mean you know I'm I'm sort of minimizing it, right? But but I guess my point is that that I I don't think that they see they see they they don't look at what they've done and say oh we we we're so great we've achieved so much, right? That's not <laughs> the, that's 
not the mentality from the community. The community is just saying we just did what we had to do, you know. So when they see the film, I think that's what they see. But a lot of times when they see the film with the outside audience, it kind of sensed how the response is from people who don't know them, and and maybe at that time they kind of realized that oh, you know, what they've achieved is is something special. Has it shown there yet? It's. Shown here a couple times. It, it actually showed the the New Orleans Film Festival here. We also won the Audience Award here at the New Orleans Film Festival. Um, but you know, Vietnamese, all the Vietnamese folks don't come out for stuff like that, right? Um, I have a <laughs> Vietnamese subtitle version for the DVD, but really, what 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 I'm working towards is to try and get a Vietnamese dubbed version because that's how traditionally, you know, um, the 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 older folks, the first generation folks, watch, you know. Uh, media that's in a different language, and 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 bear in mind that that you know a lot of the 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 first generation folks, the refugee folks, were, were working class, were farmers, were fishermen. They didn't necessarily have a proper education in Vietnamese, so you know I cannot assume that they could read the Vietnamese subtitle, you know, um, in, okay. in a way that yeah. that right to to be able to get the film. So so that's something that I'm working towards. Wow. But, you know, it's on TV tomorrow night. Hopefully a lot of them will see it. You know, at least I hope that a lot of the, the young folks in the community will, will tune in and maybe watch it with their family. For sure, for sure. Have you made some friends there? Um, yeah, I, I, I like to think so. I mean, you know, I, I sort of come and go, and I don't really live here, and I don't really, you know, <laughs> I, I certainly haven't contributed as much <laughs> to <laughs> the community as, as they have. But, you know, I, I would say I, I made a few friends here. Are you still doing the festival circuit? Um, the festival circuit is definitely winding down. Most festivals don't like to show films that been, has been broadcast. <laughs> um, That's right. So, but yeah. we we have a couple more festivals to go. But what we are also focusing on is doing more um, university screenings and um, community screenings. You know, really getting the folks um, to structure some kind of panel around it so they can discuss certain issues, hopefully that's related, um, you know, to the, their own local community. I, I believe we'll have one tomorrow in West Hollywood. Um, you know, we, we, we have a, a, a huge number of them this month because um, ITVS and Independent Lens has been incredible putting together this whole package of, of community cinema screenings that's over, like, 40 screenings in, wow. in you know, dozens of cities all in one month. So it's been, I've been really, really grateful that folks are getting to see this film. So you can't go to all of them? No. <laughs> I, I, I did just come from one in, in Philadelphia that was really incredible. Oh, that's too. great, yeah. Did you meet members of the community there? Yes, I did. I did. Um, you know, the, the, we, we showed at the, the Asian American Initiative, which is a fantastic art space that is okay. really you know, yeah. community space. And um, uh, the, the, the folks that really tapped into the, the local Vietnamese American community, so folks came out. We had a translator uh, for Q&A. Um, the Bo People SOS chapter in, in Philly sponsored the, the screening as well. Um, so... Yeah, there were definitely folks from the community there, and which is not always the case, right? At film festival screenings, right. a lot of times, you know, you have the the young sort of you know American second generation Vietnamese Americans and Asian Americans mixed in with the non Asian Americans, but you don't see that many first generation folks coming out for those screenings. But at some of the community screenings, you know, we had one in Boston too that was organized by um, Professor Peter Kang at the uh, UMass. 
Boston, and that was a really fantastic screening with mostly members of the community. So I'm, I'm really happy when I see that because I feel like, yeah, we're, we're trying to, to tell a story, a known story to a larger audience and have folks really relate and feel and understand what's going on down here. But we definitely want folks that are, you know, Vietnamese Americans, especially the, the first generation, the refugee folks, to really see this, you know, sort of a, a, a happy, powerful, positive story. Definitely. Uh, will you, when will it be out on DVD then? Um, it's, it is already available on DVD. Uh, you can go to a villageculverside.com and order the DVD. Um, we're encouraging, you know, folks at, at educational institutions to buy our educational copy from New Day Films, um, you know, to support us independent filmmakers, support independent media. Uh, but, you know, folks want to, you know, see it at home, you know, a home video copy is available on our website, villagecoverside.com. Yeah. Actually, I thought and we already ordered one, but uh, oh, you forgot. Did. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. But the yeah, and actually, yeah. yeah, PBS is, I, I, I think so, because um, Dr. Vo, uh, Linda Vo, has been incredibly supportive of, of the project from the beginning, so I'm sure she's, she's gotten UCI to order one. So, but I, I think that we 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 are probably going to be on uh, iTunes too, which is really exciting. I never had anything on iTunes. <laughs> oh yeah, so. yeah. This show is actually on iTunes. So, but oh, it's great. but it's free. Yeah. Uh huh. So we um um I want to thank you for this interview um uh, for this long interview um and um I uh, hope you the best of luck and as you do another film uh, from New Orleans. Thank you, Dan. It was, uh, it was very enjoyable talking. That's great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, that was uh, director S. Leo Chang, who uh, has made this film about uh Vietnamese community after Katrina, how they mobilized against a toxic waste dump that was uh, being uh, set up in their neighborhood. Um, and the film is going to be airing tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, on PBS stations around the country. This is Dan Sung signing off with Subversity here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The opinions expressed on the show were not necessarily those of the Regents of University of California nor the management of KUCI.